You know, when I was uh, 16, I think it was, I was the counselor at a camp in Chickasaw um, for those with special needs. And I was in charge of a cabin. Uh, I think we had 19 grown men, uh, most of whom had Downs um, or severe autism. So for one month, I was their <laughs> counselor. It's kind of scary. And, um, but I loved it. I loved it. It was such a joy, you know, just to be with them, even though I had no idea what I was doing at 16. I loved it. So the very, very last day before everybody split and kind of went their own ways, um, everybody, they knew that they would not see each other at Christmas time. So they decided to have Christmas in July for all the, all the people that were there. We probably had two or three hundred people there with different levels of special needs. And so they turned to me, this Christmas party, they had uh, a Christmas tree, Christmas cookies, Christmas lights, and it was in July. And they said, um, Ben, um, we want you to dress up like the Grinch that stole Christmas. <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, no. That's not going to happen at all. And they said, no, come on, we want you to do this. And at the time, I had really long hair. And I was very, very self-conscious about my hair. I said, no, no, no. I was like, I'm, I'm going to mess up my hair. And they said, well, you know, the Grinch had plenty of hair. I said, it was green. It's like, no way, I'm not doing this. And uh, under no circumstance am I going to dress up like the Grinch that stole Christmas. The next thing I knew, I was dressing up like the Grinch that stole Christmas. And they even got the little dog that the Grinch had, Max, got a little chihuahua. And so the good news is these are long before the days of YouTube and social media. So I think I've burned all these pictures. But I remember at the very end of it, I was sitting kind of off to the side. I don't even know what I said, but I remember I was sitting off to the side, and there's this whole group of people with special needs and their families, and I remember thinking for the first time in my life, wow, I'm really happy. I'm really, really happy working with these people. Like, it just never occurred to me before. I'd had happy moments, of course, but that was the first time it ever occurred to me, I get joy from being around these people. And I share this with you folks because, you know, I believe very firmly in the, the depths of my being that the reason God gives us people with special needs is to teach us how we should be. What do I mean when I say that? Let me give you an example. Have you ever known somebody, I'm sure you have, you ever known somebody with an immense ego? I'm guessing you have. Maybe at work, maybe somebody in your family. They're just like, they, they walk into a room and they suck all of the energy out of the room because they have to be the center of attention. Like somehow, like when you're talking to them, everything goes back to who? Me. It's got to be about me. Okay, the exact opposite of somebody like that is somebody with special needs. <laughs> they have zero ego. Z there's no ego. You don't have to work through layers of issues with them, right? They're all joy. 
They're, they are all joy. I often say these, many of these people have more genuine personality in their fingertip than many other people, many of us know. Doesn't mean these are bad people. What it means is that is how we should be. That's why I love being with them. There's no ego with these people. You can meet them for the first time and they run up to you and give you a big bear hug and a greasy kiss. <laughs> I mean, I love it. It's really amazing. You know, in, in John chapter 15, this is what Jesus says. He says, I pray that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So um, this is my question to you. Do you. I know you have happy moments, but do you actually have joy? And if not, it is worth asking why. Do you have joy? A joy is not this, okay, I'm, I'm in a great attitude. I'm having a good day. It's Pollyanna, butterflies and rainbows. That's not what I'm talking about. Do you have authentic joy? Because they do. They do. It's worth asking, how do I get that? You know, whenever I'm around them, I, I think, man, I, ju I just I, I love them. Because the other day where we had our special needs group, Souls for Service, out here, and they were about to go out to the car. Well, somebody started playing on their phone um, this, like, 1970s disco song. All of them just started breaking into dance. So there was 30 of us dancing disco in the front yard of the church. I'm sure the, pro the bishop will probably get a letter about that one. But because they're happy. They're happy. Okay, and this is, we need more of this in the world, don't we? I pray that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. In other words, joy never stops with the person. So the, the saints say, joy is the infallible sign of God's presence in someone's life. By the way, that's the best way to bring your kids back to church if they've left. Be happy. Three lessons, I think, that we can learn from those with special needs. Number one, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff because they don't. Number two, fitting in is overrated. Man, if I've had a nickel, I've known so many people as a priest. They're good people, but man, they have to fit in. Whether it's keeping up with the Joneses, trying to rub elbows with the right people at work, and they lose their peace over things that don't matter. They, they, they just obsess about it. None of that matters, folks. Stop worrying about the, those things. That's one of the things that we learn from those with special needs. Finally, one of the things I love so much about those with special needs is they are absolutely non-judgmental. They see everyone the same, whether you're the President of the United States or someone who lives on the street. All are equal. Need more of that in the world. I'll close with this. You know, I don't know anything about uh, classical music. I can't read music. Um, there's certain classical music that I love. Um, but there's one name that I'm pretty familiar with because I've read about her a lot the last two years. Her name is Abby Conant. 
And if you've never heard the name Abby Conant, odds are you will in the years coming up. So just to give you a little background, Abby Conant, um, she grew up in New Mexico, and she was like what they would call uh, a child prodigy and trombone. And um, amazing woman. But she is also fluent in German. So in June of 1980, she went to Munich to try out for the Munich Philharmonic Orchestra. So she'd been playing trombone her whole life. She's amazing. So she goes, and at the time, the Munich Philharmonic Orchestra was 100% male. Everybody who played there, there was no women, and they refused to let women play because they said, well, they're not as good as male players. <laughs> okay? And so um, the conductor just refused. When women would apply, he would flat out reject him. So that particular year, what they did was one of the guys that was applying for the, the lead trombone position happened to be the conductor's son. So they said, this is what we're going to do to make sure it's unbiased. We'll, we'll put up a screen, and everybody can audition, and we'll just listen. So they had 32 applicants. They couldn't see them. They could only hear. They had 32 applicants. And they would listen to, the, like, the first five seconds of music. One, two, three, four. They would listen about five seconds. Out, next, 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 next. So Abby was number 17. When she played, the conductor stands straight up. He said, that's her. That's him. Whoever it is. And he said, young man, come out here so we can greet you. They're standing behind the screen, right? Congratulations, whoever you are. So she steps out from behind the screen, and you can imagine their jaws drop. So they all turn to the conductor, and they said, you're not seriously considering letting a woman on the, on the orchestra. You can't do this. And he said, <laughs> she won't last five minutes. She won't last five minutes. So eight years later, she's still playing with them. So Abby Gahonan was paid one quarter of what her male counterparts received. One quarter. Which is funny, because years later, the German court made them pay her back pay. So the, about two weeks in, the, the conductor said, well, she can't possibly keep up, because men have more, they're, they're just better players, and so what we're going to do is we're going to send her to a doctor to get her physical. So she went to the doctor, and the doctor said, quote, this woman has the lungs of an Olympic athlete. Sent her back. She played for eight years, and she finally said this. She said, you know, I didn't want special treatment. I wanted equal treatment, and not because I thought I was somehow special. I love music because it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. She loved the beauty of music. And I'm sharing this story with you for this reason, folks. People with special needs see, they, they're happy because they see the beauty in life. They see the beauty in life that many of us are, it's right underneath our eyes and we don't even see it. But they would take joy at something so small, right? Like music. Like having a moment 
with someone in your family that we wouldn't even think about. And they are non-judgmental. It's like they're standing behind that screen. It's how they see everybody. Are you happy? Do you have real joy? And if not, maybe we could ask ourselves this question, what can I learn from these people?